we came off of a spiritual high, if you will, last week with the Feast of Panayias, where the church was literally maxed out, people standing outside, followed by an exquisite Panayiri in which we danced and ate and laughed and had such a beautiful time. I want to thank again those who helped with that. And in some ways, it mirrors today's gospel reading because had it not been Panayias, we would have heard about the miracle of the feeding of the 5,000. So today's gospel passage picks up right after that event. So you can imagine the scene. You all know the story very well. 5,000 men, not counting women and children. So at least, let's say, 15,000 people. And Jesus has done the miracle of miracles in front of them. And we know from the Gospels, he didn't only do that miracle one time, the feeding of the 5,000. We have a number of instances in which he does that. And so the people have been fed. They have witnessed the miracle. They have been enticed by the preaching of our Lord, right? And they're on a spiritual high. And the Gospel opens up by saying that, inangase o Christos, he he forced or he, he, he pushed his disciples to get into a boat and leave while he, it says, dismissed the crowd. You see, if you give people food and entertainment, they don't want to leave you. I hate to put it that way. So today after church, you will also be fed. We have a nice breakfast for you, compliments of the Clark family. Uh, Stephanie and James again, they were very generous in offering this. And so the people, you would kind of take it for granted that you get the andidro and go home, but you can imagine the scene. Thousands of people wanting to see who this Jesus was, to have a few moments with him, to see him up close. And the Lord, after a long day, remember why he fed them. He was teaching them all day. And they said, it's late and we don't have any food. What are we going to do? And the Lord says, you feed them. And they said, we don't have anything. All we have are five loaves and two fish or whatever it was. And he does the miracle. So now it's coming to the end of the day. It's getting dark. He has to dismiss the crowds. But he tells his disciples, you go through the Sea of Galilee and I'll meet you there. Something, though, happens. After he dismisses the crowd, which was big, so presumably now he's well into the sunset and evening hours, it says he went to a hilltop to pray alone. I didn't have intentions of highlighting this, but it's a talk that I did, I think, during Great Lent where I spoke about the praying Jesus. We tend to think that the Lord did miracles and spoke to people. But you would be amazed, and maybe that's the topic of a, another conversation another day, at how many instances we have our Lord praying. You would be amazed that we have in the Gospel of Luke references in which he prayed through the night. We have instances of him getting up before the sun rises, the gospel, the evangelist, right, to pray. And here we have an instance in which at the exhaustion, humanly speaking, his body was tired. 
But look at the way in which Christ gives us the example to rest our bodies in prayer. We think if we sleep 12 hours, we're going to wake up supercharged. I guarantee you, many of you have tried it, have slept 12 hours and wake, woken up just as exhausted as you were when you went to bed. Because true anapapsi, true ksekurasi, true, in other words, rest, comes in a different way, not in the way the world has taught us. The true rest, the true peace, so that we can re rest, comes through Christ. And of course, communion with God, which is the exact example Christ gave us today by praying. And so now, think of this scene. The disciples, the Lord didn't know the storm was coming. Of course he did. The Lord sends them into the Sea of Galilee, and it says, you know, they were hit by the waves. It was so great a storm that they were at the furthest point from any land. The Lord didn't know they were going to end up in the center of the storm. He didn't know that they would be the furthest from land. He didn't know that they would be absolutely terrified of what's going on. He didn't know to leave them alone. And what happens? In the fourth watch of the night, it says in the gospel, which is way past midnight, I think two or three in the morning, it says, seeing the boat as such, Immediately, and that's why I emphasize it in the English reading today, immediately the Lord goes to find them. And how does he go? Walking on the water. Here we encounter in the Gospels a miracle not solicited by anyone. Remember we had the blind man, son of David, help me. Right? The paralytic, help me. The leopards, help me. In this instance, we encounter a miracle of Christ without anyone asking. He comes walking on the water. And the disciples see this Jesus. You remember the scene? And because of seeing this, they think it's a ghost. Because of what's going on, they yell out, terrified. And Christ says immediately to them, be at peace, it's me. Do not be afraid. In the center of the storm where the life was hanging by a string, the Lord says, do not be afraid. And Peter says, Lord, if it's you, let me come out to you. And the Lord says, come. And it doesn't say as soon as Peter walked out, he doubted. It says when he got to the Lord and he felt the strong wind push against him, he began to sink. And he said, Lord, save me. And it says, Ephaos de, immediately, chlap. The Lord picked him up. They got into the boat and the storm calmed. When the Lord held the hand of Peter, this is something we're going to ask Christ on the other side of life. I would like to ask him, Lord, did you say to him, 
O man of little faith? Or did you say to him, Peter, O man of little faith, what were you worried about? Didn't you just see me feed 5,000? Didn't you just see me walking on water? Which one of the two is? I don't know. I can't. And somebody can let me know if they do know. Maybe it was the second. Peter, oh man of little faith, what are you scared of? I'm here. If I wasn't here, you should be scared. But I came immediately to help you. And I think this is a nice imagery for our own lives. It's not like we're not looking at the Lord every day. Right? We see him every day. Peter saw him. He was standing in front of him. But it's the question of what's, what's our true, I want to say faith, but I want to say embistocini, trust. What's our true trust in this Jesus when he shows up? Did Peter start to sink because of his lack of faith? Did he start to sink because he said, hey, look what I'm doing. I'm walking on water. And he forgot the Lord who's standing right in front of him. Is it not the case sometimes for us? We start off facing the Lord, and then we have a little success, or we think we're walking on waves, riding the waves of life. And then what happens? Christ says, you're forgetting me. And bloop, we drowned before we can even think. And what do we do? We call out to God, help me. The fact remains, my beloved friends, that in our lives there will be storms. Sometimes the Lord knows, not sometimes, he always knows that the storms are coming, but sometimes he sends us into the storms. And he's waiting to see Are my Navy SEALs going to hold their ground, me and you? Are they going to have the faith of a Navy SEAL? You know, this toughness is nails. Are they going to say, when we hear the Lord call out to us in the middle of the storm, do not be afraid. I'm praying for you. I'm praying for you. And I'm keeping watch way into the night of your life. I've got my eyes on you. And when you call out to me, don't you think for a second that I'm not going to rush to pick you up. Don't, Ephesus, St. Matthew says it twice, Ephesus, immediately our Lord will come. And how does our Lord come? Where is he going to come? How is he going to build upon our souls? If we have an ego, if we've got garbage piled up, like we said with the kids, and we don't get rid of that garbage, and if we have an ego, he can't build on us. Let me give you the closing. St. Peter, what did he do? He didn't believe him when he was walking on water, right? St. Peter, what did he do? Lord, even if I have to die for you, I'll give you my soul. And what did the Lord say? Tonight, 
before the cock crows three times, you're going to deny me. And when he told this to Peter in the Gospel of Luke, you know what else Jesus said to him? Peter, Satan asked to sift through your soul like a sickle on chaff. You know, like the wheat, the sickle. Christ says to Peter, Satan asked to sift through you, to shred you. But I prayed for you, the Lord says, that God would sustain you because he saw the storm of Peter's life coming. He saw the denial coming. And he saw that Peter eclapsepicros, that he cried bitterly. And he could have seen that Peter would have ended up somewhere else. But what happens? The Peter who God can't build on becomes the Peter who he founds his church. How? Through his repentance, through his humility. You follow this? When Peter said to Christ, when Christ said, do you love me, Peter? I love you, Lord. Peter, son of, Simon, son of Jonah, do you love me? Yes, I love you, Lord. And when he asked him the third time, Elipicio Petros, he was saddened that the Lord would ask him three times if he loves him. But it was in order to restore the three denials. And Peter, he says, on you, on this faith, now I can build. Why? Because you brought me onto your boat. When we bring Christ onto our boat, miracles happen. And so in the storms of our lives, the struggles at work, the struggle with our kids, the struggles in our marriages, the struggles with the people around us that we have to deal with every day, bring the Lord onto your boat. Remember the Lord's promises even in this world we live today where there are so many fearful things. Do not be afraid. I am with you immediately. And I invite all of us to keep our eyes on Christ and to bring our Lord onto the platform, onto the boat, onto the deck of our lives. If we do that, then no matter what storm hits us, we don't have to be afraid. If you don't have Christ on your boat, and the storm hits, I cannot predict the outcome. God bless you.